Hello listener, you saw this coming, didn't you? No, not another edition of Switch. We're pretty predictable after all. I'm talking about England in the Caribbean and all those years of hurt. Leaving your two greatest fast bowlers at home in order to evaluate the backup, proclaiming a brave new world for the test side and then twice getting skittled on a green one in the deciding match of the series. After two soporific draws, everyone was hoping for a bit more life in Grenada. Unfortunately, Joe Root's side handled it about as well as your average Englishman walking into a curry house and boldly ordering the spiciest thing on the menu. Even Jack Leach and Saqib Mahmood bravely eating all the lime pickle they could stomach wasn't enough to save England from ignominy as they fell to a 10-wicket defeat, the 11th loss in their last 17 tests. Let's get stuck in then. Joining me to vent is ESPN Crick Info's Dr Doom, Andrew Miller, who certainly saw it coming. And we also welcome back Alexis Nunes from some far-flung part of the globe, ready after all the pain to open her heart to West Indies cricket once again. Uh, good to see you both and good to finally get a result. Miller, um, the floor is yours. Are you ready to step up and claim your biggest loser prize? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I came off the pod last week not quite knowing what 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 was bugging me. I mean, I, I you know, it was it was fine, you know. Clearly, it was boring as hell watching two really pretty dull draws, but there was enough in there to think, yeah, maybe there's progress, but no, this was more like it. This was proof. This is why there was something in the back of my mind thinking that there's just something missing here. And the something that was missing was any bloody life in the pitch. If the ball does nothing, England's bowlers do nothing, and the batsmen do everything. If the ball does something, England's batsmen do nothing, and they lose. It's it, it, it's a it's it's pretty dismal and it was yeah I'm afraid incredibly predictable I'm I, you know I, I I as you say I'm Doctor Doom I I was fairly confident after the Ashes that if they didn't make wholesale changes like you know essentially bring in a new captain and just try to shake the ship up a little bit there was no way that the team that got roused in the Ashes was going to rouse themselves and break the habit of a lifetime and win in the Caribbean I mean you know never mind the fact they've won. What is it? One series in the Caribbean in fifty-two years. I think it's going to be by, by now. They've they haven't won in the Caribbean since two thousand four. But they haven't won in the Caribbean for longer than anywhere else in the globe that they've toured. I mean, you know, they've 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 got two separate records stacking up here. And you know, you don't even need to have a caveat anymore about not winning, winning one series in fifty. You know, the only team they haven't beaten in that time frame since two thousand four, since the last one out there, is Pakistan. And they last went to Pakistan in 2005. So, you know, realistically, um, West Indies is out on its own as this this outlier of English inability to to face that that side. It was was predictable. And I'm afraid, you know, we can get into the ins and outs of everything else and and why England failed. Um, But the arrogance with which England went into the series, just thinking, as you mentioned at the top there, been off your best two bowlers because you know what now's now's the moment to get rid of Broad and Anderson when you're going into a series that you 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 haven't won in 20 years. It didn't make sense at the time, and uh, in hindsight, it's it looks pretty pretty hopeless, frankly. Um, Alexis, there you go. Follow that. You came into came in uh, at the start of the series for, for your first pod, and you were talking down West Indies' chances. It was a race to the bottom with Miller. Um, but here we are. England are the lineal world chumps. Uh, it, it was never in doubt, was it? This is your moment. 
I mean, honestly, after the two no, well, two draws rather, there might as well have been no results. To be honest, I don't. We all entered that third test not knowing where this was going to go. So I know exactly what it's like um, to be in Miller's uh, standpoint. But honestly, um, I think I'm going to dare take this moment and celebrate indeed. Because <laughs> do you know what? To maintain, I think a test series against England for any of the test playing nations is always a big occasion. And a test series win over England time and time again at home. I mean, all you can do is protect your backyard, right? I think that that um, is something that I've realized now after much, much therapy with Alan on WhatsApp. That it is something that I think the West Indies should definitely celebrate. I think we are very quick to get down on ourselves. Um, I still saw things in this test series that a lot of things, probably a lot more things that I didn't like. You know, I still didn't see majority of the batting um, prowess that I would have wanted to see that probably would let me go forth into the future of other test series, especially outside of the Caribbean with more confidence. You know, I still will be back on Miller's level, I think, for the next test series outside of the Caribbean. But I think in the moment, it's definitely something to celebrate because what I think stood out to me in this series, or especially this last test that we saw, was even when things weren't going well for the West Indies, even when there was plan A wasn't working and plan B probably wasn't working, especially with the bowling, which seems to be our strongest point, you know, they still went out as a plan C or they revisited a plan A and they made it work. You know, they, they mixed things up. They, they tried to do it. And I think as well, you, we talk about Craig Brathwaite as captain and still the influence that Jason Holder has on this team, how he's always there talking. I know they are close friends, so I'm sure he does listen to him while he lets him also be captain. And we talk so much about now Joe Root's captaincy and how it is under so much scrutiny and question and how he may or may not rotate his bowlers to the best of his ability. Um, I think there's something to be said about that for the West Indies and how they went about this one. And uh, time and time again, I say that for what we've seen in so many tests in the past was a lack of grit and fight that when plan A doesn't go well, we just kind of explode. It's like you just pull a trigger on yourself and and it is what it is. And, it, you know, you see us catapult to some stunning losses. But this time I thought the guys dug deep. They, they used their heads a lot. There were, you know, you saw different plans being worked. And, and when those didn't work, they revisited other plans. And in the end, you know, we got the results. So I think you're absolutely right, Alan. I think this is something to celebrate for the West Indies. The fact that, you know, we have been able to defend ourselves against England at home, you know, since 2004. I think that stat, when I saw the year, I was like, hang on, is this real? You know, um, but it is. And I think a lot of um, a lot of the headlines will definitely paint the narrative of this is why England lost because of this, because they don't have this, they, because they're going through that. But I think we also should focus on this is why the West Indies won, because it definitely was a deserving win, in my opinion. Yeah, wow, that tasted weird coming out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I think we need to get someone to check on Alexis. Um, overflowing with uh, with positivity, I was I was going to say, you just need to let let um, West Indies back into your heart. Let Craig uh, Brathwaite's forward defensive protect you forevermore, um, and we we shall definitely definitely give West Indies their due here. Try and um, take it uh, from both sides because there's plenty of um, England wreckage to sift through. Um, but let, let's let's look at this this test before we get into the bigger picture. I suppose the uh, um, the the uh, the 
future um, head scratching and um, uh, questions about the captaincy and, and so on. Um, Miller, th- we were hoping for uh, a pitch with a bit more in it. Uh, we certainly got that. Uh, Craig Brathwaite won the toss, and 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 then things quite rapidly uh, began to spin out of control for England. Although they had opportunities to claw their way back into the game. I mean, the the, the, the first collapse was probably the most spectacular, but it wasn't fatal. 67 for yeah. 7 on, on the first uh, afternoon, 114 for 9, and then um, Mahmood and Leach mustered this 90-run partnership, which which kept them in the game. And then at the end of day two, um, West Indies were eight down, having recovered a bit themselves from a collapse, but uh, they were only 20 runs ahead. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? You, you know, you, you, you say that say that with a straight face. A, a collapse of 67 for seven wasn't fatal. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, where, where I mean, do you need to, where really you need was, to go you know, from that? The, the where, second where, innings <laughs> collapse that really did for them. <laughs> it, I mean, where, where do you need to go from that? I mean, just 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 to follow up your point. Absolutely spot on. You know, this is this is a cause of celebration. I, I'm I'm delighted for West Indies. Genuinely, it is it is a vindication of of everything that was right about uh, their their team and their ethic and everything else. It also, in my in my mind, is also a vindication of of the fact that you know they, they probably didn't need to be quite so boring with those those drawn tests because frankly they had the better better seam attack. They proved that in in the crunch moments. It wasn't just the fact that England collapsed twice. It was the fact that um, in those recovery moments, and West Indies were were every bit as good at recovering in in in, in their tail end. But England were clueless once the ball stopped moving, and you know it, it did come down ultimately to the the Duke's ball. I think both both sides probably took a took an innings each. Well, England took both innings and failed with them, but but West Indies certainly took that first innings to to quite get their head around the fact that you know the Duke's ball in the in these abrasive conditions. Wasn't holding up quite so quite so well. It, you know, it's quite instructive actually. Everyone bangs on about the kookaburra and why the why don't we use the Duke's ball all around the world when the kookaburra is so boring? This was perhaps this test perhaps did show some of the limits of of getting getting a bit gung ho about the Dukes. It did a lot up top, but then it did so little that both sides were able to recover. But you know, you look at the way that West Indies went about it in in that final day. You know, they 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 pulled their legs back so far they were trying to decapitate the tail. England just didn't bother with that. England, England just got, got bored, got lazy, got 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 full length and aiming for a swing that wasn't there anymore. Got, you know, all you had to do was get in line and, and defend. What what was really necessary on this pitch and frankly on all these pitches, when the ball wasn't doing the talking, you needed fast bowlers to do the talking. Obviously, England, as we well know, uh, Paul Mark Wood, um, there is on on Instagram. You know, he's 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 had his operation. Hopefully, he'll be he'll be back, but. You know, England have have had a lack of 90 mile an hour fast bowlers for a long time now. But you know what we saw from West Indies at the crunch moments of of the of this series, which basically came down to getting through England's batting. They had the bowlers. They also had Carl Myers just to swing it around corners as well. So they they had a they had a they had an attack that had teeth at the right moments, and um, and they had an intent about it, um, and it was magnificent all round from them. Um, I mean, Carl Myers is is fascinating, and it, and also it kind of reinforces why you know it's all very well saying that it's English exceptionalism that that you know why 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 shouldn't we um, why should we all get doom and gloom about England losing England and any team can can lose but I think there is something exceptional about England getting bowled out by Kyle Myers taking 
five for nine, only a few weeks after Scott Scott Boland takes six for eight. I mean, th- those are exceptional numbers um, from bowlers. Frankly, you know, with the greatest respect to both of them, are the are pretty pretty close to the sort of trundly medium pacers that that get given a bad rap in English cricket. And if English cricket is only designed to combat trundly medium pacers and produce trundly medium pacers, then why are we getting skittled by them? There's, there's something more, more inherently screwed up about England's performances in this current environment than, than even this result gives us credit for. So, you know, absolutely celebrate West Indies and, and I, I'm all for, all for being magnanimous about their achievements. But at the same time, you cannot deny that this England team have hit a low that I don't think I've... In, I don't really remember a low quite like this, to be honest. I was almost too young in 1988-89. That was my first year of really watching cricket. Uh, and I think we're back sort of that level. 99 um, has been talked about. You know, that's the last time England were officially bottom of the uh, the Wisden World Test Championship, as it was, as opposed to the ICC version. Um, but I think, uh, for various reasons, England's actually in a worse state now than, than they were even then. Well, uh, yeah, we the, the World Test Championship England are still propping up the table there. Um, Alexa, I'm, I'm sure you're well aware that West Indies have moved up. Um, Only into, just. Into seventh above, above I still Bangladesh. I still have Miller breathing down our backs, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, something we, we will certainly get into, Carl Mayhem Mayers. Um, and, 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 I mean, England's kind of, uh, epochal badness. Um, Miller, one of the stats that's been g- going around is, uh, it's now five winless series in a row. Obviously, um, it might be five defeats in a row if, uh, if India come over and finish the job this summer. Um, they've never actually done that in their test history. There have been, uh, occasions when they've lost five series or, or not one for five series if you count one off tests. Um, and we were discussing this earlier, but, um, that, that is right in the, the sweet spot of, of England's, uh, of bad England, uh, the, the, the late eighties and early nineties. Yes. I mean, the, the, you know, that everyone bangs on about, you know, the 1990s being, being the sort of the, the pits for English cricket. And, you know, to a degree it was, but I, 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 I just still feel there was more hope frankly, around then, you know, England would win gloriously. England's, you know, for all that, you know, they get thumped in emphatic fashion, usually by Australia, as often as not by, by Kirtley, Ambrose and co. You'd always, there would always be something cropping up that was, it was a moment of heroism, be it, you know, winning Adelaide or winning Bridgetown or, or saving the, saving the test in Joburg. There's been nothing of that ilk this winter. Um, you know, the, the couple, a couple of couple of ago, obviously we were we were excited about England winning six in a row overseas. Uh, so you know, these guys are capable of being better. But I mean, the pandemic, I I, I do think there's an there is an element there that that will not probably probably not get fully explored until it's all over. We have a proper debrief of quite what that's done to England in particular. And again, English exceptionalism on the one hand, but they do play a bloody lot of cricket. I mean, you know, the, the, the amount of bubbles these guys have been in is over and above what most teams have been in. And therefore, the impact is probably significant. The impact on the younger players as well. Um, you know, think back to what what England achieved in that um, tour of South Africa, coming back from 1-0 down to win 3-1 three, three, with, with young players to the fore and uh, Stokes to the fore. And, you know, there seemed to be a, a meshing of young and old and doing the right thing. All the all the kids, frankly, regressed. I mean, we had a brief flicker of it this this winter on, on the flat, flatter pitches, essentially, where 
where Zach Crawley in particular and Dan Lawrence had their good moments. But Crawley's regression to the mean with his flashy drives outside. As an off stump, I mean, you know, he was batting like a cup prize James Vince by the end of that end of that test. And, you know, uh, on that evidence, frankly, you know, James Vince uh, looks a, a, better, a better, better as a test batter. It, 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 that's, that's kind of the... The dichotomy England have got. Um, it, it, there's there's so much to so much to sift through here, and um, I'm not sure we've got enough time in one pod to do so. <laughs> well, it's doubtless going to be a theme. Uh, the summer's Test matches don't shape up as being um, cakewalks for England, uh, with New Zealand, India, uh, and South Africa coming over. Um, but Alexis, you know the pain of, of following West Indies. They have not had it easy recently either. Um, this was their first. Test win uh, in six, first series win um, in over a year since the the heroics in Bangladesh. I mean, there there have been flickers in that time. Um, uh, Carl Mayers, obviously in Chittagong uh, on debut with a double hundred. Um, Who would have thought that uh, sort of fourteen months later it would be wobbly medium pace knocking over England uh, that would be uh, he would be making his name with, but. Um, uh, yeah, the, the, this is uh, obviously a result to, to build around. It's something for, for Craig Brathwaite um, as the permanent captain. I think he was standing in, wasn't he, for Jason Holder um, it, on that Bangladesh tour. Um, it's maintained that unbeaten record uh, at home to England, as you've already mentioned. Um, and whilst, uh, I mean, you, you touched on some of the batting issues, Alexis, um, that there was a new hero in this game, uh, uh, um, and I'm not talking about Carl Mayhem Mayers, but uh, you uh, love that <laughs> Josh De Silva, who um, who had not scored a Test hundred to to this point, um, but ended up being uh, the only man to pass fifty in the Test um, and helped West Indies recover from a familiar collapse. So ninety five for six, at which point England thought they were probably back in it. I expect you were beginning to worry they were back in it. Um, <laughs> Added, they added 200, 202 for the last four wickets. <laughs> yeah, honestly, Josh De Silva, this is a performance from him that I can wholeheartedly say did not surprise me. As in, this, there's something special about this young man. I mean, um, I remember the first time I did encounter him was actually at the West Indies Original Super 50 tournament, which was, uh, I think, back in 2019. Yeah, because it was just right after the... Um, the Cricket World Cup that we did um, in the UK. And he was a part of the West Indies Emerging Players team, which maybe some people would say is like a a C team of the West Indies. Eventually, it looks like a a feeder team. But when it comes to the Super 50 um, tournament, everybody wants to play for their country. You know, they're, they're different islands or Guyana. You want to play for Jamaica, Trinidad, Trinidad is always one of the big dogs. Of course, it's absolutely littered with talent and... Josh De Silva, who's from Trinidad and Tobago, you know, the it's a tall order to try and get into that team, you know. And then they, sometimes it is, for better or for worse, these teams, for example, the West Indies emerging players, um, as well as before we've seen the combined campuses and colleges, they're sometimes put into these tournaments to, to make up numbers and to at least give the other boys who, quote-unquote, with all due respect, just probably weren't good enough to make their country's team to compete a chance to still play. And I remember that West Indies emerging players team, which was actually coached by Floyd Reefa at that time, um, they went on and they won the Super 50. They just completely 
bulldozed their way through, took out some of the big guns in the Jamaicas, the Trinidad and Tobago's, the Barbados's. Um, it was actually in Joshua de Silva's um, backyard in Trinidad, in Port of Spain. And it was, I remember he just put on amazing performances with the bat as well. And I got to speak to him after and I was absolutely blown away by how he spoke. And I know we don't want to put the carriage before the horse or anything like that, but I was blown away again about his mentality. Like I said, this kid is definitely in the right place mentally. He knows where he wants to be. He knows um, the growth that he has to do. He spent some time, I think, on the sidelines just talking to Jeff Dijon just for a long, long time. It was almost like he didn't, you know, sit down in the pavilion or anything. He was just constantly wanting to learn. Um, there were the loudest people in the crowd and it was his family and his family came down and said, hey, we watch you all the time on ESPN. I want to see Joshua one day on ESPN. And now he has been, you know, hitting an unbeaten century that basically propelled us to this win series win against England. And I think that Joshua De Silva is such a special talent coming out of the Caribbean right now. Again, not just because of his talent physically, but mentally the state that I see him in is just, it's, it's really, really powerful. And we know that playing for the West Indies is not for the faint of heart. Um, we talk about Kyle Mayhem Mayers as well. And I remember Carlos Brathwaite, I think after he had a lovely, um, I suppose, recollection of all Kyle Mayers has been through. I mean, there was a time that when the hurricane, um, you know, hit the Caribbean as well, he had gone missing for a while. People did not know if he was, you know, dead or alive, just plain and simple. Um, he had gone through so much as well, seeing the destruction that happened in Grenada and the other islands and again making you know his way into this west indies time probably later in his career than he would have liked uh a lot of people would have given up at that point like within kruma bono but it's this mentality of him that you know he comes back and he's able to with bats we've seen what he can do and now with ball we see what he can do and it's i think that's what strikes me the most about um a couple of these individuals in these team now that the mentality is just something I don't think I've seen before. That grit, that really never say die attitude and that I think willingness to accept the defeat and learn from it and come back. Because in the last, like I said, since 2019, two, three years, I've seen such a growth in Joshua De Silva and he's constantly growing and he's exactly where he needs to be. And Kyle Mayers is someone as well that weirdly may not have the experience in terms of the stats that you would expect for someone of his age, but mentally he has that. And I think all of them... When you have people like that, you almost don't need to over-explain their roles and what you need to go out to do and to beat England. They almost just know and they go out there and do it. And I think that Calmeres is such a special person as well mentally, but Josh De Silva has, I think, that mental toughness that you need as a West Indies cricketer, something that I don't think we've seen in Test cricket in such a long time with the, I suppose, talent drain, they call it now, that we've experienced because of our success in T20. Um, and I think... If we can keep him on that right track, um, not necessarily keep him away from the other formats, by all means, as we did, I suppose, with Darren Bravo, but still let him, you know, kind of ply his trade in the longest format of the game. I think that he's going to be a massively crucial part in West Indies test cricket and, and probably in line for a leadership role in the future, I think. Well, yeah, he certainly was uh, uh, very impressive. He spoke very well about the emotion and so on of, of getting his 100. And then and Miller, he was kind of central to it all unravelling uh, on that third day for England. Firstly, um, their inability to get the last couple of wickets, obviously um, lack of DRS or rather England's um, lack of reviews left uh, under that system, uh, costing them. Um, and... Uh, 
uh, the way that the, the sort of uh, torpor that over, overcame them in the field as De Silva just uh, ticked along towards that hundred, um, and then later in the day, once they'd uh, had a, an initial collapse, bit of a repair job, and then it was Josh De Silva in the ear of Johnny Bairstow, um where it all unravelled again. It did. I mean, you know, fascinating there. Just hearing hearing all that, what Alex is saying about the the mental fortitude that West Indies have got. I mean, it's, it's such a stark contrast to. It's not so much that England are mentally weak. It's just I think they're mentally confused when it comes to Test cricket. They've spent such a long time trying to get their heads around being this aggressive, world-beating. Let's not forget, world-beating white ball side that has that has taken on the world and beaten the world in in frankly groundbreaking fashion I mean you know it's not it's not many teams that can be claimed that can claim to have changed the game but I think England's white ball side from 2015 to 2019 has really propelled white ball cricket forward and so you know there's an awful lot that's come out of that that I don't think has been properly processed back into test cricket and you look at yeah Joshua Silva's example on on the one hand you know there he is chirping at Bairstow and, and literally the words of God and has gone to Bairstow's head ball accounts was you're, you're batting like me Johnny you're batting too slowly and lo and behold uh, I think uh, Azari Joseph came around the wicket for the first time slight change of angle gullible thrash across the line under edge through the keeper job done um, but you know to, to come back to the, the mentality of the West Indies I mean essentially that all stems from the mentality that their captain Craig Brathwaite has in, instilled into them you know throughout that incredible performance in 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 um, Bridgetown, it was, you know, his refusal to buckle, his refusal even to countenance the the fact that this is so dull that that it's probably just going to bore people to death. He it, it never never even crossed his mind that that, that 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 there was any anything outside of his bubble. All I need to do is stay in, stay in, stay in. I'm not going to give this away. And he basically backed his side's mentality to overcome England's slightly flaky, still white ball dominated mentality that ultimately they would they would try to thrash their way out of trouble, which they did. Um, you know, they it, it's it is a really interesting scenario that England are in as a consequence of that. And, you know, again, interesting what will happen to West Indies if Josh De Silva, you know, if he shows any prowess as a white ball cricketer, does that mean, you know, suddenly he he ends up on the same track as a, as pretty much all the rest of uh, of, the, of West Indian cricketers are these days heading off following the money. I mean, you know, that, there there is a serious financial consideration to to factor in here. But at the moment, they are led by a, a guy in Craig Brathwaite who does not play any T Twenty cricket. Frankly, uh, they they are able to create a culture around their side that 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 cocoons them. And I was talking about this last week. You know, it feels as though England are, are are cocooning themselves in the wrong way in Test cricket. They're trying to sort of trying to trying to keep the keep the influence of white ball cricket out of their game when frankly they need to they need to embrace it I, I i'm still adamant and you know harks back to the arguments i used to have with, with with butch back in the day about total cricket i'm still adamant if england are going to succeed in white ball cricket they have to succeed on in red ball cricket sorry they have to succeed on their own terms and that means ad- adopting the attacking gung-ho go for it mentality that, that has served them well in white ball cricket and you know inculcate that into their Red Bull game. At the moment, they're timid, they're confused, they are defensive, and they get found out um, when when the, the going is tough. And um, that's not going to be a quick fix. And uh, you know, a lot of that's a lot of that ultimately stems from the fact that you know they their senior players are multi-format players who, broadly speaking, are leaning white ball rather than red ball. 
one thing though about Craig Brathway, I'll tell you that he he loves horses and he has a couple of horses and he does love his horse racing. And I think that's the only thing he's interested in doing speedily for sure because <laughs> <laughs> he does have a need for speed but you know what it's 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 refreshing to finally find a cricketer in the west indies in test cricket that can be like a shivdrain shanapal and say you know what i'm going out there and i'm just gonna stay here i'm not gonna make it pretty you may want to take a nap halfway through take your nap because when you wake up I'm still going to be here. And like I said, that is a mentality that we've just needed, you know, and I've seen it only like in fleeting moments, say with a Darren Bravo, say with a Shea Hope that we've discussed as well. And now seeing it in a, a Josh De Silva to a certain degree. And of course, a Craig Brathwaite. And, and we need that. We need to almost reculture ourselves in the Caribbean that this is... You know, I keep going back to what Jeff Dijon tells me. He's like, if you if you master test cricket, every other format will come easy to you because it's all up here. It's like a game of chess. And once you can bring that mental fortitude, you will see how everything else will come easily. And I, as a matter of fact, I was actually just texting Carlos Brathwaite again, telling him that we're recording the podcast. And I said, if you had to choose one thing that stood out from you to you about how we just won this series, what would it be? And he literally just texted back and said, mental resilience. And that's true because the talent is there and we know they can do the physical. And we still know, like I said, that we, I still saw some of the things in the batting that probably does worry me for the next one. And I'll probably join Miller in moping around and being pessimistic ahead of our next series. But now I do feel a bit better because I have seen different individuals show a, a different level of mental fortitude that you absolutely need to survive in any test match. And I think that to me, that's what stood out in this, in this series for sure. And hopefully um, you don't just want to be a backyard bully in your own place. You know, you want to go abroad and, and do that as well. And I think that's something that much like England, we know that that has been, um, I suppose, a thorn in their side too. That's something that the West Indies as well uh, need to do. Uh, the other thing, um, Alexis, uh, you did this, West Indies did this without Jason Holder carrying the whole <coughs> shebang on his shoulders. Um, 94 <laughs> runs at 23.5. I mean, he was there blocking out at the end uh, uh, um, in Antigua, wasn't he? But um, four wickets at 59. But uh, I mean, we kind of discussed that, um, uh, that this test was a, was a, uh, a strange one after the uh, the... the flat uh, surfaces in in Antigua and Barbados um both top orders kind of reverted to type um I think I've got the the the, the stats here somewhere 12.76 was the average for the top seven uh, in this test so that's the lowest uh, since 1950 uh, and then the average for the last four batters was was 35.7 uh, obviously Josh De Silva playing a big part in um boosting that but but the upshot was that West Indies um, quicks and um, holder aside, who didn't have a uh, uh, didn't have have to do much at all throughout the series. But um, Kimar Roach, Jaden uh, Seals, and Alzari Joseph kind of ended the series as the the leading wicket takers. Jack Leach was sandwiched in there as well. Um, Kimar Roach, I think, took only took two wickets in an innings. That was his, his best performance. But he took, took two wickets in almost every innings. Um, <laughs> so that's the, you know the consistency um, of the attack leader there um, and. That, that cracked England again, just as it did in 2019, which we kept reminding you about. 
Yeah, exactly. Honestly, though, with with that thing when I read, I finally did get to read Jason's stats at the end of this series. I was like, do you know what? I was almost slightly relieved because how many times do I come here and chirp that say Jason Holden needs a vacation because I am so tired of seeing him have to take this entire team on his back single handedly when he was captain and even when he was stripped of the captaincy. Um, but you know what? Any of the guys would tell you that Jason still has such a big presence on the dressing room. You see him. He's quite lively and and chirps on the pitch and he talks to the guys still. He has such a good dynamic. So um, that's that's something I think this is one series I can forgive him for because at the beginning of the series, that's what I said. I wanted someone else besides Jason Holder to put their bat up, to shine, to take the moment because Jason has been doing it with bat and ball um, in so many key moments, you know, some that have resulted in wins, some that have not. Um, so I think if it was one, <laughs> one series he could get a little break for, it was definitely this one. And, um, but either way, it, I, I did, I suppose, now I realize, weirdly did get my wish, as much as I like to be pessimistic, because now, you know, look at all the different names that we've been talking about, some familiar, some new ones too. So um, I think I'm okay with Jason having a quiet series, but you know what, Jace, we'll get, we'll get him in the next one. <laughs> <laughs> I think England would have, would have hoped for a quiet series from Jason Holden beforehand, but uh, it didn't help him uh, in the end. Um, Nilla, I mean, lots of, um, lots of gory stats uh, to sift through certainly from the, the Grenada test. Um, the England's duck count for the year is already up uh, to 11, uh, <laughs> having, having equaled the, the record last year. Um, they, they, through the series, they managed two batters uh, with an average above 40, Joe Root and Johnny Bairstow. Only two bowlers averaged below 30. Um, Saki Mahmood, who, who did pretty well in, in his two tests, uh, and... Um, and Ben Stokes, <laughs> who, who you know is, is constantly thrown into the breach. Um, Speaking of quiet series, <laughs> <laughs> well, he was supposed to be resting uh, most of it. You know, the bowling it's work, true, but I remember I went into this series absolutely terrified of Ben Stokes. I was in a corner praying the rosary every time he came on, but. Um, you know, I'm I'm glad he was able to get a little rest. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he did score he did score his hundred, but um, one one of the the odd uh, quirks again of of the way things played out, I suppose, because two two teams that are a bit fragile and uh, confidence issues um, as well. Craig Brathwaite was the leading one scorer, and he pretty much consistently did his thing. Um, he didn't score too many runs in Grenada, but uh, he did hit the winning runs. Um, but I mean, uh, Joe Root scored two hundreds, um, and then innings of thirty-nine, Norton five, um, Stokes got a hundred, and then thirty-six, thirteen, nineteen, two and four. Uh, Zach Crawley was was even more sort of uh, wildly swinging from eight, uh, zero, seven, eight. Uh, he made a forty uh, in. Um, Barbados, I think, and 100, obviously, in the first test. Uh, and, and on the West Indies side as well, Nkrumah Bonner got 100 and not much else. Uh, uh, Jermaine Blackwood got 100 and, and not much else. Um, I, I, I'm not going to attempt to try and work out the reasons for that, Miller, but um, there was just so much sort of variability in, in uh, the performances that England put out. Well, they, they were pretty decent uh, you know the, the, uh, in the first couple of tests they might have won them in if they were longer certainly um, they regressed to the mean spectacularly uh, in Grenada and all those old problems yeah. uh, that had haunted them over the ashes came came to the surface again yeah they did I mean th- this this is part of the reason why it's actually quite such a bleak situation for England to be in because if you actually take the individual components of this team and sort of 
run the rule over them, yay or nay? Did they do a good job or not? Broadly speaking, you know, you look down that list, you've got Joe Root, 200s. Yep, he's, he's, he's done all right. Stokes is back to form and bowling well, so he's done all right. Second Mahmood came through. Jack Leach, I mean, he, he, he's the best left-arm spinner we've had since Ashley Giles. I mean, you know, not, 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 high, <laughs> not a high bar, but it's a bar. Uh, um, you know, the, uh, Zach Crawley got 100. Dan Lawrence was very impressive, even with the ball. You know, you run your rule over, over enough of this team and you think, you know what, they came out in credit. And, and so, you know, you listen to what, um, what Root's been saying about, you know, I, I, I can't fault the mentality of the dressing room and, you know, I'm really positive about the future. And you've got Paul Collingwood saying pretty much the same. And, you know, if you, if you are being, if you're trying to just get from A to B and, and, and tick the boxes along the way, you can say, yeah, fine, there, there, there has been progress. These guys are, are not terrible. And yet you look at the end result, you look at that, that collapse in Grenada, you look at the, the upshot of five losing series in a row, you look at the prospects of finding a replacement for Joe Roots as a captain, you look at the fact that the ECB is paralysed and can't make any decisions to change anything within the structure... You look at that and you think, you know what, the the players we've got are probably, and this is this has frankly been the case for English cricket pretty much every time it hits rock bottom. In 1988-89, you know, in the days when you know David Gower and Graham Gooch were were front and centre of the side, you could not argue that there were better players in in the in the game than the ones who were playing for England. I mean, admittedly, they'd get through 26 or 27, 28, 29 of them in a summer, but broadly speaking, the the backbone of the side was pretty consistent. And likewise, in the 90s, you got you got Atherton. By, you know, 99, as I mentioned earlier, when Hussain's already captain, you got Atherton, you got Stewart, you got Thorpe, you got Caddick. You know, these guys would go on to be absolute bedrocks of a side that would, would turn the corner a few years later. It's, it's not the fault of the players that the players are being let down by the circumstances that they're stuck in. But, it, you know, it is the fault of the players for not learning the lessons that, that, the, that they've repeatedly made all winter long. And so where, where, do you, where do you draw the line? Who, who's to blame for the fact that these players cannot learn and cannot change the way that they approach the moving ball? Um, you know, the fact that Zach Crawley is, is chasing balls outside his eyeline time and again. I mean, who's, whose fault is that? Is that the coaching fault? Is that, is that his fault for just, you know, being a bit of a, bit of a white ball dasher, thinking he's Michael Vaughan before he's ready to, to, to take up that mantle? I don't know, but something about the mentality of this team is not right. And there's nothing that's... The, there's nothing that can be done about it in the short term. As I say, we've, we're in the situation whereby Joe Root is, is, is saying he wants the job, he doesn't want to give up, and he's probably well within his rights to say that because, frankly, you look around that dressing room, only his best mate, Ben Stokes, who clearly doesn't want the job, is worthy of his place in, the, in this team that we've got at the moment out there. And we can come on to the ones who are missing in a minute. But what probably means you've got to see you're stuck with Joe Root. You just need to make sure that Joe Root has got a structure around him that can bring out the best in him and frankly that's not been the case recently I mean you know you look at the the enablers he's had around him recently I mean Trevor Bayliss doesn't really count because obviously he was a white ball coach and therefore you know his focus was the World Cup but certainly as as a sidekick in the in the test team in in Joe Root's formative years as test captain he was just a nice bloke you know the yucca plants and and scented candles type of guy in the corner of the room just creating a nice environment you don't need someone like that with Joe Root is the nicest captain you could ever encounter. You need you need someone with a bit of prickle, a bit of bastard about them, frankly. So you know it's very interesting the the reports that, that Justin Langer, for instance, might be interested in in the role. You know if, if if Root stays as captain, 
and suddenly has this <coughs> this uh, hyperactive, meddling, prickly, natural-born winner such as Langer as as a sidekick, does that give Root a chance to you know do what he does best, which is be the good cop? and have a slightly bad cop who's going to cover off the strategic and, and the training and the mentality side, it could work. I, I, personally, I think it'd be a bit, bit like Mourinho at, uh, uh, at United, to be honest. It would probably, probably bring in a trophy in the short term and all go, all go uh, south rather quickly. But uh, Alexis doubtless will have, a, have an opinion on that. But essentially, they cannot go on the way they're going because, frankly, these are probably the best players they've got and they're going nowhere in, in the long term. I mean, so if, if root is not the root of the problem, uh, the, 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 the appointments uh, that the ECB uh, are, you know, in the process of making the director of cricket and then the head coach, though, is that where you see, you know, the the point where they can get the the you know the wagon back on its wheels? Uh, I think it's got to be. It's got to be. I mean, you know, to say the root isn't the root of the problem. I mean, you know, there are there are things that Root has done or not done as captain that that just just <clears throat> grind your gears at time. You know, just just the field settings when 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 t- the tail is in. I mean, one thing that one bug- bugged me in this last test, for instance, when that final partnership was kicking off, it was clear that no one's going to get them out. He didn't even consider throwing the ball to Dan Lawrence, guy who had proven in the first two tests on flat decks that you know what he can he can make something happen with with his with his slightly quirky spin cycles and you know didn't 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 think to think outside the box but maybe that's that's not the type of captain he is he's the type of captain he's from the front so yes to come back to your original point you know I, I don't I don't think Root is the, is the great technical tactical genius but he's clearly a guy who the dressing room loves uh, respects for being the best there is. And he needs to have something in place at the ECB that can help him. But right at the moment, we've got a situation where the chairman is non-existent because he quit over over the county fiasco last year and 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 the Pakistan fiasco and and general realization that it wasn't a, a role we particularly wanted. You've got a chief executive, Tom Harrison, who's basically waiting for his bonus so he can sidle out the door after seven years of you know. Admittedly, he brought home a World Cup. He did he did some good things, but more recently he's been he's been mired in in the racism scandal and um, uh, running out of money because he splurged all on the hundred and generally you know. There's an awful lot about the ECB under his watch in the last couple of years that uh, uh, is not ideal. Um, you've got a board that, again, with that in mind, has been loaded with uh, think outside the box brains. People who you know run the MNS and, and Carphone Warehouse and, and various other various other blue chip companies, but you know, frankly, don't know how to bowl a leg break. It's uh, you know got Andrew Strauss being parachuted in as the one guy who has a cricket savvy. And frankly, Andrew Strauss is the last grown-up in the room. He's, you know, ever since he quit in 2012 as test captain, you've had a situation with with Alistair Cook coming in and not really getting a handle on the leadership side of it. You know, he could leave from the front with a bat brilliantly, a bit like Root. But as a tactical guy, he was he, he drifted. And Root has drifted. And everyone's drifted. And, and every now and again, back comes Strauss in 2015 to, to oversee the, the white ball revolution, so-called. And now here he is setting in motion the Red Bull Revolution, but, you know, he's made it abundantly clear that, uh, you know, his personal circumstances, tragic as they are, are going to be such that he's not interested in the job full-time. And so there's paralysis. You know, he can, he can do all he can to sort of set, set the wheels in motion and talk about this, 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 this uh, game-wide review that will kick in in 2023. We've got an entire year to get through first, and nothing is going to happen in the short term unless they can find a way 
to make the guys who are in this team better. Because if they don't make them better, you know, they will get worse. They will get out of form. They will get disillusioned. They're probably, you know, Test cricket does require England to be good. Uh, you know, it, it, I come back to this time and time again. England may not be the best Test team in the world. I think Strauss himself acknowledged that they've been number one for about six months in 2011 in the entire history of Test cricket, and that's about it. You know, England are not often a very good Test team, so there's no point in weeping, gnashing teeth when England aren't the best in the world. But there is an awful lot a point of weeping and gnashing teeth when they're clearly the worst in the world. Because if England are the worst in the world, Test cricket is losing the most important opponent that every single team has. Look at West Indies. They've beaten Ireland, I think, uh, Bangladesh and Afghanistan recently, and England twice. You know, they've they've thrashed England twice in recent times. Those are the only only wins they've had. Australia love beating England. India love beating England. Pakistan, if England ever deigned to go and visit them again, will love beating England. It is really, really important that England are there, A, to be beaten, but also to, to actually take part and you know give give people give people a contest before before rolling over and, and cheering the world up. So, you know, just being rubbish and being bottom feeders in Test cricket is doing the entire game no service whatsoever. And so, frankly, they've got to do better. They've got to do better, and that starts with the ECB getting their act together and finding a board that can pull together a side that is worthy of the status they claim to hold in the greatest form of the game. But presumably, um, the Barmy Army will at some stage give up following them around the world if they continue to be. Well, I've I banged, uh, on, as, before, as, as banged as... on before about the adverts we've had during this series. You know, <laughs> bloody erectile dysfunction and, and cremations. I mean, you know, they, they, they're basically selling the game to people who are dying off. And if they don't get better, people who love the game will die off. And, uh, and that's the end of it. You, know, but, uh, you need, need to imply some dong, dong, dong back into the game, frankly. <laughs> I was going to say we're, we're going to go down the route of uh, the, the, the Caribbean cricket podcast uh, guys I think tweeted uh, uh, you know is it um, young British kids being lost to NBA uh, you know, <laughs> as was <laughs> always uh, one of those um, urban myths that was, was uh, levelled at uh, West Indies for their decline in recent times certainly the Red Bull reset has a long way to, to run Um Alexis, the, the West Indies have got, you know, seeding pretty. You've got the, the Botham Richards trophy, or the Richards Botham trophy, I should probably say. So certainly, as you, you're the inaugural winners. Um, and what's next? Although, a, a bit of a break, I think, uh, for the, uh, the, the international, the men's team. Uh, the IPL has obviously started. We, you know, we're, we're all starting to get sucked into the orbit of that now. But, um, uh, yeah, then what, what, when, uh, when are Phil Simmons and the gang back together? I believe we have some matches coming up um, in May, of course. Uh, I know, I think we have one against... Oh, the Netherlands. Is that, uh, is that, I think there's a, a historic Scotland. tour of... <laughs> yeah, so just doing our part and helping cricket grow around the yeah, world, as yeah. we always do. You're vital, welcome, Ireland. <laughs> and look where Ireland is today. No, so we've got that bit of... Uh, yeah, a, bit, uh, a little bit quiet, um, I suppose. I know they've rescheduled... Um, our series with Pakistan, I think it's yet to be confirmed for around June. So that yeah. will be good because if you love, that's a series that's not for the faint-hearted either. <laughs> you never know what's going to throw up there. Um, that will definitely be a good one. Probably the two most um, unpredictable teams to watch, definitely. You know that if it's going to be a win, it will be a spectacular win. And if it's going to be a loss, it will be a spectacular loss as well. Uh, one thing we do hope for, wherever they decide to do it too, that it's not flat pitches because 
these two first tests were definitely a bit difficult to watch, especially after we were bigging up Barbados and we said, oh, this is always a place for some monumental wins or losses. Great cricket, lovely pitch. Uh, uh, uh. But you know what? Now at least we can remember Grenada, or I at least can remember Grenada quite fondly. Um, But yeah, other than that, you know, we're just doing our part in helping world cricket grow. (laughs) Yes, keeping England on their knees. I think that was West Indies' first first test win in Grenada although they've only played about four four tests there but um and well and let's you know spin the globe around and uh, certainly from an England perspective a healthier view uh, Miller over in New Zealand um certainly compared to what we were expecting a few weeks ago the Women's World Cup both England and West Indies are in the semi-finals West Indies <laughs> West Indies might only be might only be in the competition for a, a few more hours but you know they, they've they they've lived the roller coaster um, <laughs> over recent days. Um, England, in the end, um, got through fairly comfortably. Uh, Miller and they will play South Africa on uh, Thursday. I think it is. Indeed, it is. Um, yeah, I mean, fair play to them. It, 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 it took it took some took some dredging to get them there, and um, you know, talk about the, the mentality required. I mean, they showed the mentality of reigning champions to, to get this far. To be frank, I mean, it did it, it, it did require them to dig as deep as they have had to dig all winter. I mean, you know, all of them, all of them throughout this tour have been talking about the, the, the drain, how draining it's been being away. I mean, you know, whether they've been in, in bubbles or not, and obviously things are a bit uh, freer now they're out in, in New Zealand, but nonetheless, having had a very locked down ashes tour and then coming out to a world cup and having, having to basically win, what was it? Seven games in a row to, or six games in a row to win the title. Um, that that's that's pretty daunting, but they they found they found something within themselves to 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 just you know focus on the finish line and and get ever closer and you know it, it it's going to be a humdinger of a semi final as uh, you know we saw that not only from the the defeat in the in the early rounds that uh, that South Africa inflicted that really set England on the path to to panic, uh, but also the the this corresponding match in twenty seventeen the, the, the glorious. Uh, Victory that uh, it was a two, two two wicket win for England on that occasion. Anya Shrubsole uh, hitting the hitting the winning runs of the bat, much as she did earlier in the in 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 the tournament to to keep England on track as well. Um, it's it's really coming down to to who who can get over the line and and get to that final. Because let's face it, um, nothing that we've seen so far deflects from the fairly sure assumption that Australia will be incredibly hard to beat. Uh, but unless you're in the final, you haven't got a chance to beat them. And so, uh, you know, we shall see. Um, we'll leave, leave leave Alexis to deal with the West Indies <laughs> well, and, uh, and and take them down. But you know, if anyone can, you know, the Andrew Dotton and the way the, the way the, the way that she started her tournaments, uh, there's there, there's inspiration galore in that in that setup that can that can come good on any given day. That, that it's is happened the before. We've beaten Alexis. Australia in a <laughs> final before, so maybe now is the time to beat them in a semi final. But um, no, this was honestly the second the semi final that I did not want again all due respect to south africa and of course england but i would have fancied my chances against south africa and england again over australia i mean we've already played them twice in the warm-up and then in the tournament proper and they've just dominated us um in both matches you know the last one they handed us our heaviest defeat when we got bowled out by 131 i think it was which was you know that barely passes as a decent t20 score these days (laughs) much less you know in a one-day match so um, I think, again, just talking about batting, obviously, again, for the women, 
batting again. I mean, I think it's only Haley Matthews, I think, that actually has had 200 runs plus in this entire tournament. You know, we know that Deandra Dotting can fire when she fires. You know, it might as well be like trying to bowl to Chris Gale when he's firing. Um, Stefani Taylor as well is the same thing. But um, I think when those three aren't firing, everyone else needs to bat down because Australia do that. Um, you know, and Australia bowling, even when they didn't even have Elise Perry in the last couple of matches, they've just, they haven't really looked that troubled, I think, just coming through this tournament, which again is something that um, we expected, given that it's Australia. I think they are the most complete team just in women's world cricket right now. Um, but seeing how they just kind of do cruise through and here they are in a semi-final, it's, it's definitely terrifying, you know, to go <laughs> up against them. But look, we've seen a crazy, I think, uh, Women's World Cup so far. Who would have thought that with the start that England had, that they would have, you know, brought it back and gotten into the semi-final. You see New Zealand, who kind of, I guess, capitulated at home. The West Indies, who started so bright and then had to wait for the last minute. So we've seen some crazy things. So maybe... Maybe the West Indies are due. You know, we do like to choose our moments. You know, we do like um, when we are up against it. And we do like a chase as well. I know a DeAndre Dottin, world boss, loves a chase. Last time we did bat first against Australia. So maybe this time if we, if we can get a chase, um, setting a total, I'm afraid of. I'm not going to lie right now with the batting that I've seen so far. But I think chasing, it could be 500. And <laughs> I would pick those girls to do it. And what's interesting, I think we have about six players or so that played in that World T20 final against Australia back in 2016 that we won. And I think Australia has about five or so as well. So, you know, these are two girls that sets of girls that definitely know each other very, very well. They know what it takes to beat the other. Obviously, Australia has had our number, I think, in the last 14 um, one dayers, but maybe we're due one, you know, maybe we're due one. And, and hopefully this could be it. <laughs> Um, I just, just one, one last thing I'd say. One last thing I'd say about the the England scenario as well. I mean, another thing I think that is appa- apparent from what we've seen this tournament so far is that change with this team is inevitable. I think we are about to see the end of an era, and it's not often. And we've seen this with Broad and Anderson this winter already. It's not often that you can actually pinpoint. You know what? This is going to be your swan song. This is going to be the last moment. Uh, it's often that uh, champions go out without uh, without being able to call their shots. But I think it's. Self-evident that, you know, Catherine Brunt and Anya Shrubsole won't be seen at, at a global tournament again. They, you know, they may get they may get a send-off this summer, but this is this is their their swan song. It's quite possible, you know, like some Lauren Winfield Hill and Danny Wyatt maybe and other others who were stalwarts in that twenty seventeen triumph are probably going to play their last in, in the next couple of days. And so uh, you know, it, it is Given everything they've gone through this winter to get to this point and the, the, the immense journey they went through, you know, losing six ODIs in a row off the back of the ashes into the start of this tournament, uh, going going to the depths and, you know, actually wallowing there for a while and now coming back up to the surface with this one, two shots uh, uh, going out on, on an ultimate high. It, it's a great it's a great narrative arc and it, it, it does lend itself to um, a, a finish worthy of a, of a very champion team. So... Um, yeah, I'm, I can't wait. I, I, I'm more, I'm more enthused by the Women's World Cup than I've been by the by the by the Test series this winter. The men, men's in the Ashes and 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 the Caribbean. But uh, but you know, I, I I will be staying up for as much of it as I possibly can because uh, it's uh, yeah, it's been been enthralling every single, every yeah, step of the way. Lots lots of close finishes. Uh, lots of. Uh... 
yeah, roller coaster moments. Let's hope it's an England West Indies final. Um, Alexis, I was going to ask, what were you doing? Uh, were you following wherever you were in the world on the uh, the uh, the close the, the the climax of the India South Africa game? Which obviously, and were your celebrations as exuberant as the West Indies uh, dressing room uh, was? I'm not gonna lie, I was, <laughs> I was warm and toasty in my bed <laughs> in London in La La Land because when I saw the permutations, being the the pessimist that I am, I said, "Oh, this is gonna go against us." I know it, I know it. So when I woke up and I actually saw um, the result, I was like no way like something went our way so maybe that maybe that's the momentum i'm trying to carry into this semi-final against australia i mean i don't know i i did celebrate that but then it was a quick you know i, I was subdued celebration when i realized who we would be facing in the semi-finals so um but either way i think i think the girls will definitely i know the girls are definitely looking at this as as a huge second chance um, to just come good in this tournament. Like I said, Australia has definitely had our number for a long, long time now. So they're due. They're due a beating. Um, we hope it can come tomorrow. But either way, it's going to take something unbelievably special to beat this Australian team because they they really are special. And um, they've just kind of cruised through this tournament so far as as we expect them to. But like I said, it is absolutely scary to see that they've not truly been massively troubled. So... Um, if they get this, it's hard to to not expect them to just go all the way. Indeed. Well, two good games. That's all it takes from this point for uh, one of those four teams. Um, I think that's enough for one week. It's not been quite feature length uh, misery um, for once. Con- congratulations to West Indies, the non-stop ray of sunshine in Alexis's life. Uh, in <laughs> England have a, a couple of months to get their house in order, but don't bet on them doing so. The county season is not far off, which will surely succeed in cheering everyone up. And we'll be back soon. Until then, my thanks to Miller and Alexis, and to you all for tuning in to the Switch Hit podcast on ESPNCrickInfo.com.